No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job replies to Eliphaz. His friends should have shown him kindness rather than inaccurately pointing out where Job was wrong. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 6 on Simply the Bible. As Job's friends begin to make their case against their friend, why they think their friend really must have committed some wrongdoing to bring on all of this suffering, Job begins to now answer his friends. We continue in Job chapter 6 today. Then Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were fully weighed, and my calamity laid with it on the scales. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words have been rash. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks in their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. This is some amazing suffering as Job is trying to articulate it. And he says that his suffering would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Now that might be an exaggeration, but we can understand why he would say that in the situation that he was in. Remember, he lost everything materially. He lost his servants and all of his animals and even his 10 children. And now he was under great physical pain and suffering as he was covered with boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And he said that the arrows of the Almighty are within me. Now, we know that Satan had incited the Lord to allow Satan to do this to Job, and and God gave his permission. But I think sometimes we need to understand God is sovereign, and we say, well, God permitted it. Well, God was not only permitting it, but this was God's will for Job that God might be glorified through his life. And we need to remember that when we go through times of suffering. It is still God's will, even though we may not like it, even though we may not understand what the purpose of it is, um, and though it may feel like the arrows of the Almighty, in fact, it, it, it really was from Job's perspective. Now he said, does the wild donkey bray when it has grass? Or does the ox low over its fodder? Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them. They are as loathsome food to me. So he's saying, listen, guys, you know, animals don't cry out when they're satisfied, but when they are in agony, that's when the donkey will bray and the ox will low. And likewise, you know, I'm crying out here in pain. I'm in great pain here. That's why I'm saying the things that I'm saying. Now, for Job, food was without flavor. It was tasteless, like the white of an egg. He'd lost his appetite. But as we see, not only had he lost his physical appetite for food, but also for life itself. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant me the thing that I long for, that it would please God to crush me, that he would loose his hand and cut me off. Then I would still have comfort. 
though in anguish I would exult. He would not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. So Job's request of God, what is that? His request is that God would crush him, that God would just end his life. Like, why am I still around? I have no value here. I'm worthless, and my life is nothing but pain. So God, won't you just take me now? That was Job's cry. You know, God does not always answer our prayers, does he? And as I look back on my life, there are many prayers that at the time I prayed quite passionately, but in retrospect, I was glad that God didn't answer. There was a girl that I was going with. I mean, I was very young. I was probably about 19 years old, and, and I was praying, oh, Lord, I pray she's the one, you know, and, and then I realized later that God had somebody far better for me than what I was praying for, and I'm very thankful now after 36 years of marriage uh, that God didn't answer that original prayer. If God had answered Job's prayer, then he would be taken out. But you understand that God had a much bigger program in mind. God's purpose was to show Satan, the angels, the world, and us that there was a man who would worship him when everything was taken away from him, including his health. Now, if God had taken Job's life, then that never would have happened. God would prove Job to be a man of integrity through all of his suffering, but Job had to remain alive for that to happen. Therefore, though this meant temporary pain and discomfort for Job, that was severe, it was necessary for God's purpose to be fulfilled for his glory. God is worthy of our worship whether or not we have his blessings. That is the thing that God proved through all of this. And Job would understand that. I mean, later on, we will see that Job says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's the kind of faith and the the perseverance in his trust in God, even through it all, that Job had. And therefore, God was able to show that Job was a man who held on to his integrity no matter what and continued to worship God. What strength do I have that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh bronze? Is my help not within me? And is success driven from me? Job had received blows to the extreme, to an extreme that no one else had ever experienced. But now that he was in such personal, physical agony, as well as having lost everything, could he be expected to endure without weakening? He wasn't superhuman. He was a man. As Jesus would later say, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. To him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. He's saying, look, even if I forsook the fear of God, you're my friends. You should still be showing me mercy here. You should be offering me kindness. Now, the fact was he hadn't forsaken the fear of God, but how much more should they have been compassionate toward him? And that's the essence of the problem. Job's friends should have truly seen him. They should have heard his emotions and not only his words. Sympathy has been described as your pain in my heart. But they felt no such sympathy. 
Sadly, some Christians today are like them. They make poor counselors because they have not learned to feel the pain of others in their own heart. They quote scripture, they are quick to apply their own experiences to the problems of others, but they've not walked in the shoes of their broken brother or sister. The truth is, it was the same in Job's day as it is in our own, that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Verse 15, my brothers have dealt deceitfully like a brook, like the streams of the brooks that pass away, which are dark because of the ice and into which the snow vanishes. When it is warm, they cease to flow. When it is hot, they vanish from their place. The paths of their way turn aside. They go nowhere and perish. The caravans of Tima, look, the travelers of Sheba hope for them. They are disappointed because they were confident. They come there and are confused. For now you are nothing. You see terror and are afraid. A wadi is a stream that exists in the rainy season, but then dries up in the summer. Job likens his friends here to such deceitful streams. You go to them thinking that they'll quench your thirst, but they're all dried up. Moreover, the paths go nowhere and perish in such a stream. The water never finds its way to the ocean. Likewise, the counsel of Job's friends went nowhere. It was as useless as a deceitful stream. They saw Job's terror, and rather than helping him in his plight, they were afraid that the same suffering could happen to them. Their only protection was their own self-righteousness and their own so-called wisdom to which they held on to for dear life. Did I ever say, bring something to me or offer a bribe for me from your wealth? Or deliver me from the enemy's hand? Or redeem me from the hand of oppressors? In other words, what have I ever asked from you? Have you ever lent me anything? So why do you now demand so much from me as if you were my creditor and I defaulted on my loan to you? So show me some mercy here. Toss me a bone, will you? Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forceful are right words, but what does your arguing prove? You see, it wasn't as if Job wasn't willing to be corrected. He would have submitted to the forcefulness of genuinely convicting words. But those words never came from the lips of his friends. Instead, they would accuse Job of being so stubborn that he wouldn't acknowledge that he was a sinner. He was hiding something from them. Now, I don't believe that that was ever the situation with Job. Job would have willingly shared what he knew because he knew that he was as sinful as anyone else. But their arguments were that Job had been guilty of some heinous wrongdoing, and that was why he was suffering this way. But if that were the case, then what had Job done wrong? What had he done so wrong that all of this came upon him and no one else? So he was saying, look, show me my fault that can account for all this. But his friends couldn't do it because there was nothing there. And Job's conscience wouldn't condemn him when the indictment had not been adequately proven. Do you intend to rebuke my words and the speeches of a desperate one, which are as wind? Yes, you overwhelm the fatherless and you undermine your friend. Now, therefore, be pleased to look at me. 
for I would never lie to your face. Yield now, let there be no injustice. Yes, conceive my righteousness still stands. Is there injustice on my tongue? Cannot my taste discern the unsavory? Anyone who's ever been betrayed by a friend knows that this is the greatest pain of all. Job felt that his friends had undermined him. They had added insult to injury. In Job's mind, God had injured him and now they insulted him. So Job's appeal to them is, look at me, see what a waste of a man I am. You you cannot even recognize me. Don't you see what's happened to me? Can't you pity me? Can't you acknowledge that I would never lie to you? My integrity is genuine. I'm telling you the truth. I've not committed such a wrong as you say. Doesn't this speak of the one who was greater than Job, who would be rejected and betrayed and insulted by his own? Isaiah 53, 2 says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Little did Job know at this time of great suffering that he was pointing to the suffering servant who would glorify God even more than Job was capable of doing. You see, the lessons of Job's life run deep and deep calls to deep. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Next time, we'll see that as Job continues his reply to Eliphaz, he considers his brief and hopeless life and complains against God. We hope you'll join us as we continue in this thought-provoking book of Job on Simply the Bible.